When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Schmodown Rundown. Introducing first, Frankie Stepjanic. And the host of the Schmodown Rundown, Brad Gilmore. What's up, Movie Trivia Schmodown fans? Welcome to the Schmodown Rundown, the official episode of the Movie Trivia Schmodown. My name is Brad Gilmore, but you might know me by another name. Oh! Oh my God, you're my dream boat, for sure. You might know me as the boat and join from backstage at a local high school theater production of My Cousin Vinny. It is none other than Frank Janish, a.k.a. West Coast Frank. Yeah, that's right. We uh, have a new background. New background for all you video watchers. Audio, it's still the same. They weren't available on the Buick Skylaw. Um, <laughs> I love that movie more than anything. More than Back to the Future. I lo- no, not, not not really. But I love my cousin Vinny, M- mainly for Marissa Tomei. I mean, yes. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You can't go wrong there. Do you want to have a soundbite for that one? Um. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, why not? It works for me. It works, right? Right? Or, or. Yeah. yeah that's it. Just a round of applause. I mean. Have you ever heard yeah. there's some rumor that she wasn't supposed to win the Academy Award for, for that movie in the in the Oscars that year. There's some conspiracy about it. Hmm. I can't remember exactly, but they gave it to her as like an F you to somebody else. I can't remember what it is. Really? I don't remember that. There's some yeah. Marissa Tomei conspiracy on the internet. Uh, I'm sure Ben Bateman and William Bibiani are screaming at me through Twitter right now. You don't know about the Oscars? I don't. I don't. But I know <laughs> right. there's some sort of conspiracy. How are you doing, West Coast Frank? I'm doing all right. I moved into a new place, and uh, that day was very tiring. But uh, you know, I'm fully recharged now, and a lot of news was still breaking. You know, during the day of my move, new updated brackets and some draft news, uh, structure-wise, 
that, that Christian laid out there. So I've been trying to catch up on, on some of the news that I missed. But I think I, I think I got it under control now. So uh, hopefully it calms down because I'm telling you, man, it was it was fast and furious this week. Oh, dude. Yeah. Who are you telling? I mean, from the news wise, I can't imagine trying to move. But two things. One, uh, I hope that you have it all down, because as everybody who listens to this show knows, I rely you on you solely for all information. And then I just react to what you have to say. And secondly, the fact that you moved means I never have to hit this button again. <laughs> well, well, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't know ever about have that. to see his face again. But congratulations to Mr. Kevin Smets, who announced yes. that he's going to be a father. I can't believe it. A inner geekdom champion in the making is brewing in his girlfriend's belly right now. So congratulations to the both of them. That is awesome news. Uh, shout out to the Smasher. Yeah, absolutely. Going to have uh, a little girl. A little so girl. That's good. Yeah, a little baby Smasher. A Smashette. Smashette. There you go. So, um, Frank, this is our third and a half rundown in about a seven days time. So, right. Where do we start? Do we start with the match that was this week? Do we start with the draft structure that you mentioned, the IG and Star Wars bracket? Where do you want to start? We can start anywhere. I'm feeling frog. I think we should start with the match because everything else it takes a little bit more in depth. I think we can get through the match fairly quickly here because uh, it wasn't the greatest match. But it wasn't the worst match, and there's some interesting things to talk about from that match. Okay, so you're talking about the real rejects versus the pride. This is the first time we've seen the pride since we're heels. <laughs> right, right. This is the first time that we've seen them, so I was excited to see the pride back. Real rejects, you know, they've always been a, a team that I just like. You know, we've talked about it with like the wild berries and 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 teams of that ilk. I like John Humphreys and Greg Albert together. I just they just make me smile. I enjoy their disposition. I actually enjoy their faces quite a lot. And I enjoy their trivia play. Because here's the thing, John Humphreys, we remember in the free for all had that great run. And actually, really, both these guys have memorable free for all appearances because then Greg Alba had what many people consider the entrance of the year. So um I, I always like seeing them. And then the pride. This is a team that has continued to be hyped up after their first win. They looked great. Ben Goddard has looked great this entire season, and, and, and no one's surprise has continued his undefeated streak in the movie Trivia Schmodown, both in singles and teams, with a win over the Real Rejects with him and Rachel Silvestrini. But this team, they painted a, a an X on their back, right? Uh, do you remember in Space Jam, I think it was whenever Daffy paints one of the Monstars' backs with the red paint, and right, then the right. bull runs from out of the crowd. and, and yeah. So that is what the pride <laughs> did. Right, they, they they painted their backs with the red paint. Everyone has been bullish towards them. And do you think that that was motivating for them, or do you think that put pressure on them? Because there's been some interesting numbers and shifts in their performance in this match. Yeah, it, it's hard to say because I do believe this match was taped before, before the kind of blow-up that they got from okay. the audience from the first match. So it's it was interesting to watch them play a second match without any kind of audience feedback. I, I believe that's correct. I may be wrong, but I believe that's correct. And they were much more toned down in this in the we're heel sense because you're going up against the real rejects. I mean, those who does not love Greg and John? I, yeah. I don't know if there's a soul out there that doesn't love those two guys. And they further reaffirmed why you love them in this match from the jump with that red letter media spoof of an entrance, which I thought was great. 
Um, it's certainly going to be up there for entrance of the year, in my opinion, even though it's more of a, a performance uh, type piece than an actual kind of pageantry entrance, if you will. Right. For the Pride, like I said, it's much more toned down. I don't think, you know, if they really wanted to be true heels, this was the match to do it in because to go just to rail against a real reject for really no reason other than that they came into this match two and five and they were the favorites because they have more experience and they have one more win than the pride, which, you know, they failed to understand in their promo. You could have really, as the pride, you could have really ratcheted up the heelness here and become true villains in the league. And they didn't do that. Uh, so I don't know what they had heard. Like I said, I don't think they heard audience feedback. So I don't know what was going on between the Cuckoo's Mess match and this match and why the shift in focus and tone. But because uh, in the post-match interview, they seemed much more well, uh, humble in a sense, especially Goddard, you know, with the praise that was being heaped on him. So uh, I, I don't know if they've at that point had really found their identity, which kind of makes sense. It's only two matches. Then they get this audience feedback from the Cuckoo's Mess and now they'll get some here with the Real, Reject, Real Rejects match. And it'll be interesting to see when we do get some team uh, matches back, what is their tone? What is their identity truly? I mean, you like to think they're going to lean into the heel aspect and, and kind of, you know, the real rejects match will be kind of like a blip and they'll go full, fully into the heel aspect, uh, which I fully expect them to do, uh, given the feedback they've gotten. Yeah, I mean, I expect that we'll see a little bit, little bit more leaning into it, if you will. But what do the numbers tell you? Because... We, during our little pre-production meeting here, we were going over some of the statistics of this match, and I think that a lot of people would be surprised by some of the findings from Frankie Boy Numbers Janish. Yeah, so it's it's no surprise that when you looked at this match, coming into this match, we thought you know they were looking great. And what makes a great team is first-round play because it's so key. I mean, there's a total possibility of 18 points you know, you look at a team like Final Exam, Lon Harris and Paul Oyama, they actually achieved that not too long ago, uh, both getting perfect first rounds and both getting the bonus as 18 points. The Pride last match against Cuckoo's Mess, Ben had a perfect first round plus the bonus, and Rachel put up six points, 15 points. That's huge. That's a great number to start with. And that shows the signs of a pretty competent team, a, a team that can challenge for you know, the highest spots in the team hierarchy. With this performance from the Pride, Ben, he gets seven points. He, he admits, you know, he kind of overthought or misheard the serenity question, which cost him a perfect first round. But then Rachel here, on the other hand, she had six in the last match in the first round. She drops the four here. Wow. Not a great sign, right? It's not a great sign if you want to be a title contending match. And I had said, you know, she may have talked all the smack in the world to about Devon Stewart about, you know, holding his weight, you know? Um, and I was like, well, now Rachel's going to feel that kind of pressure with a player like Ben. And she knows she has a great player in, in Ben, you know, a star in the making. Uh, Ben's the real deal. Yeah. Way, three matches through two, two in the teams, one in singles. Ben's the real deal. Rachel knows that. And my, my theory was how is Rachel going to respond with upping her play and, and, how consistent can she be in the first round for a player like Ben? Because when you get in the second round, yeah, it's more collaborative. So not as much weight is on your shoulders. But in the first round, great teams play great in the first round. And while you may be able to get get away with, I think, what they got, 11 points here in the first round, that's 
typical championship teams, you're like at 13, 14, 15 points. Now, 11 and 13 may not seem much of a difference, but in the Schmodown, it is. And I went back and looked at Rachel's first-round numbers, and between singles and teams, all matches that she's played, she's averaging 4.5 points in the first round. Now, that is not championship-level material in today's Schmodown. Yo, Ben, he's not always going to get eight, nine points in the first round to kind of buoy uh, and offset some misses by Rachel. And Rachel, you know, if Ben has a bad day, is Rachel going to be able to carry that slack? She's only ever scored her max in the first round is six points. She's never hit seven or eight or, you know, have a perfect round and a bonus question. So if Ben happened to have a mediocre match in the first round, at least, what does that point total look like? Is it eight points, nine points? And you're going up against elite teams because that's the area that they're approaching quickly with teams looking like deep 13 final exam. And what if they got past that? Now you're looking at teams like Odd Couple, Who's the Boss, Founding Fathers, Corruption, Shazam. You think you can hold your weight in the first round with teams like that with 10, 11, 12 points? I don't think so. So something's got to happen, hopefully within this quarantine period where Rachel is really focusing on, on her game and bringing it to a level because right now is the perfect time to do that. There's not a whole lot going on. Uh, I know everyone's situation is different, but generally speaking, not a whole lot going on. So if we don't see an improved Rachel in the next time they play a team's match, which could be for quite some time, that's an advantage for her to up her game to where it's at a level that can that can match, not necessarily match Ben's, but complement it in a, in a meaningful way. Because if not, it's going to be a tough road against teams like whether it's Deep 13 or Final Exam. They're going to face one of them. And if it's Final Exam and you put up 11 points to possibly 15, 16, 17 points against Final Exam or Deep 13, you're in some real trouble. You're going to be in real trouble. So it's four and a half points in teams is her average? Cumulative, uh, both teams and singles. When you both take teams all those, and singles. Wow. Yeah, so it all averages out to four and a half points. She's actually, you know, four points. She's she's had four. She she scored four points twice in singles, and then once here now in teams. In her debut team match, she scored two, but she's hit five or six in between all of that. Yeah. So yeah. it but, seems like she could be more of a five or six point type of player, but. If you get these four pointers popping in there, you know, she's half of her matches actually she's hit four points. The other half has been above or I'm sorry, four she's hit four three times, <laughs> two points one time. She's played eight total matches. <laughs> half of them, thank you. She's half of her time four points or less in her matches. So where does Rachel really lie on the first round scale? Is it the five-point range, or can she get more towards the six- to seven-point range? Because to be a title-contending team, both your players got to be six, seven points consistently. Yeah, uh, now that that I agree with um, 100%. And, and here's my thing is it tells you kind of how much narrative goes into the movie Trivia Schmodown because the narrative on Rachel is top tier, right? This is This is someone who can make it up to the upper echelon in this league. And, I mean, that's also the way that she carries herself. And yeah. to hear that it's four and a half points, that's well below league average uh, between singles and teams. That's well below league average. So I think that you're right. If they're going to be successful, they need to make sure that they're on the same 
wavelength because when you think about someone like um, Jared Highbon and Jim Veveda that we just saw, you see the disparity between the two of them, and even Jim Veveda's superior knowledge was not enough for them to get the W there. I think that, and I'm not saying that Rachel's on the same level as Jared Haybon when it comes to knowledge, but scoring four points in a team's match is not going to get you past the first round in the ultimate team's tournament. Do you know what I mean? Like, you have to be able to bring it. And I think that um, her and Ben complement each other really well, but if I'm Ben, we're getting a study sheet together, and we're going we're gonna to work on these on these holes in our game. Because even when you go into 80s, they got they went three for six, right? Three out yeah. of six points in 80s. Went yeah. to multiple choice three times, missed on two of them, which their opponents picked up on. Um, and I, I think that Rachel, Ben, and I, and you, I think we're all kind of in the same age bracket. And right. 80s is something that I spent a lot of time on. I was born in the 90s, but I love almost every <laughs> movie from the 80s. Yeah. Um, so I think that you got to up your game in some of those categories that are going to come up. And th- these broad decades are, are ones that you need to research and study on. So I think that there's still a good team. But we saw some chinks in the armor. We definitely saw some chinks in the armor today. And I don't think that their trajectory to the championships are going to be as expeditious as maybe we thought prior, given their performance in the first match and given what we saw with Ben and RB3 in his singles debut. I thought that their path to the championship was going to be much quicker. I think it's going to be a little bit tougher than I thought before. Yeah, I think if we get the first-round performance that we got from the Pride in the first match, you know, if Ben goes 8 or 9 and Rachel hits with 6, they'll be in good shape for the most part. But if we're also going to see these four-point rounds from Rachel pop up and, and Ben maybe has kind of a brain fart here or there and he hits 7, then maybe now it's 6. And then that's not to say these other teams like Final Exam or whoever else they're going to face in the future aren't going to have their own right. mishaps. Right. Because it will happen to them as well. But when you look at the history for Rachel Silvestrini, nothing much has really changed. It's been pretty constant in terms of first-round play, which is so important, like I said, in, in teams. So it's, it's it, you know, you bring up Rachel and in terms of, like, her stature in the league. She talks a lot of smack for a player that, <laughs> yeah. you know, hasn't accomplished really uh, anything. And that's, and that's fine to have the confidence for sure. I think you definitely need to have the confidence but at the same time um you know because this past week i saw her saw her and brandon going at it in the comments and you know while brandon is two and two in inner geekdom he actually has the knowledge to compete in that division 80 percent in that division so it does make you competitive and yeah he had two tko losses to chandry but you know chandry's also pretty elite uh, he's playing elite players silvestrini on the other hand you know i think that her top-tier talent she's ever played was John Roca. And even in that first round, she scored four points, but it was the Kevin Smith stuff that that helped her along the way and made that match pretty close in the end. So can you have mediocre first rounds and some luck go your way to pull out matches? Absolutely. Happens all the time. But I don't think that's something you really want to lean on when you're trying to contend for a title. Uh, there tends to be more high-quality play and less luck as you get further into these uh, upper echelon types of matchups, which if, they, if that's what they aspire to, then uh, it's going to be a rough road um, navigating if the team as a whole really can't can't up their game, whether it's first round or second round. So, you know, if they get another broad category like 80s or 90s or even, let's just say, comedies, 
you know, or dramas, you know, how does how does that work out for them? You know, 80s and 90s, obviously, that's a little bit more difficult. All genres that were within there. So I think that was something that they were exposed on, especially for 80s, yeah. obviously. I think 90s, they'll probably be a lot better in 90s. But 80s certainly looks like a weak spot. And don't be surprised to see someone put 80s on the wheel against them again. You know, it it's <laughs> it's really easy to talk yourself up, right, and get people to buy into it. You know, and then when you hit the stage, it looks a little bit different than what you heard. And you know, yeah. I, I I'm not I'm not saying that it's like a Michael Bloomberg type thing, but it's kind of like a Michael Bloomberg type thing. I'm gonna call it the Bloomberg effect. You know, until I see you in in there with the movers and shakers, I I can see every ad that I want to. I can hear every ad that I want to. I'm like, hey, you know, this sounds like a pretty good guy. Yeah, look at me. He did this. He did this. Oh yeah, sounds like a good guy. And then you see the man in per in in uh in action. And you're like, oh, I don't know about this guy. I don't, <laughs> I, don't I don't think yeah. he's got the goods. And and I'm yep. not, and, and I want to say this. Rachel has a lot. The strengths that she has are like all killer, no filler, right? You, right if she right. gets Kevin Smith, if she gets any of those categories that she like puts Disney, up, yeah. Disney is another one. I was trying to think of it. She puts if those are on, are, are on the cat are on the wheel and she hits those categories, uh, she's she's gonna be like Jordan from the free throw with the eyes closed. Right, right. You know what I mean? But these other ones, she really needs to work on. And, and Brandon Hanna. All, in all honesty, though, hasn't really accomplished much either. So no. I, I, I don't want I don't really need a pot and kettle thing in the comments here. It's true. You know what I mean? I don't really need <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. That you can you can miss me with that. So I, I think, though, that the pride's still in the right path. Ben Bateman yeah. and Ben Goddard, excuse me, remains undefeated in the movie trivia showdown. And I think that he and Rachel are on. All, they're they're going to do fine. They're going to do fine. Just, you know, yeah. he has a show called Ben's Blind Spots. You know, he's working on him. He's working on him, though. That's what so, it means. That's all I'm saying. He's got a show about it. Yeah. So maybe uh, have Rachel well, co-host with him. Well, I do want to say, too, it's interesting who you see talking more smack between both of them. Ben Goddard or Rachel Silverstein. Who do you see talking more smack? I see Rachel more. You see Rachel more. And it's and it's no doubt. Look, at Ben's the star of that team. Purely based on the numbers. Right. And, you know, so it's like, what does that mean? What, what's that for? What's that all about? It's interesting dynamic in terms of who who takes that role in terms you know because for team action you look at Andrew Guy I mean both were smack talkers but like Andrew Guy was the more notable one to really bring it same thing with like John Roca and Dan Merle uh, well Dan Merle can hold his own you really look at John Roca to bring the bluster same thing with like corruption Mike and Chance who really brings that one Mike does so are you saying it, that it's the the lesser of the two No I'm just saying. Usually, the guy that has accomplished, I mean, the Dan and John one, it's kind, it's of, kind a, of a wash there. It's kind of an outlier, you know, yeah. in terms of the examples. But well, I mean, all of them are because they're all really elite players that I just just mentioned. Um, I don't know. It just for someone who talks a lot of smack is pretty average. Um, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, but you're saying you're saying once again to go to the last dance. Mike was doing the talking. Scotty was doing the facilitating, right? I mean, Scotty yeah, was doing yeah. some legwork. Michael was doing the legwork as well, but he was also the one talking because he was the star, is what you're saying. Yeah. Statistically, yeah. he was the man. And he's like, I'm going to let and you know. Right? Basically, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's, it's interesting. Scotty because, wasn't the uh, man. He 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 was great. He wasn't yeah. the he wasn't the guy. So he's like, I'm just going to be the number two here. And I'm going to know my role and play it. That's what you're saying. 
Well, I mean, however they want to play those roles, it's up to them. But it's just interesting how it's it's normally you would think the guy who's who's performing really really well has had perfect first rounds. Uh, he's undefeated three and zero. You know, you think you might hear a little more chatter from him, and you do, but he's usually prompted to say something. He's never come out unprompted. I always see Silvestrini popping in, you know, backstage or what have you, SEN live, and, and throwing comments in there. And that's, and look, you want to defend your 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 team and your position. I understand that, but sometimes I'm just like, wow, okay, <laughs> you know, like you're going ahead and saying this stuff, and. You know, it's it just it it catches my ear, and I'm like, I don't get it. But <laughs> hey, West Coast Frank is in the building. <laughs> don't let him fool you. But you know what? Okay, I'm glad that you brought this up, talking and not getting it. I want to get into these tournament breakdowns, these brackets that we have. Yeah. But before we do. Did you listen to Backstage or watch Backstage on the Schmodown Twitch channel this week? I did watch it on Twitch. It was very easy to find, very easy to watch, in my opinion. Well, it was very easy to find. It was very easy to click play. Very easy to watch is a very interesting way of phrasing it. Because I was very thrown off watching this episode of Backstage. I was thrown off because of three of my favorite people in the movie Trivia Schmodown. Three of the greatest players or characters, one you know, one is touted as the greatest manager of all time, Tom Dagnino. The other two, John Roca, Ben Bateman, both former Movie Tribute Schmodown champions. Uh, John Roca, former team's champion. They were talking about these brackets as well, with the ones we're about to get into. Right. And they made, they all three unanimously agreed on a certain comment made by Bobby Gucci that I found laughable, that I found irritating, that I found infuriating. Oh. Bobby Gucci said, when discussing the brackets, well, the deck is stacked against us like always. They always stack the deck against the Finstock Exchange. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> Stack the deck against the feet. Y'all stack the deck against the rest of the league. <laughs> you have Dan Merle, John Roca, Ben Bateman, Mark Riley, probably the most knowledgeable player in the game today in the Barbarian, someone who's highly touted as a four-division potential champion, and you just got the most sought-after free agent in, in this free agency period in Sabrina Ramirez. You have Andrew Demolanta, who is a guy who is, is on the precipice of greatness in Star Wars. You have the you're number one. You're in first place. You have all the championships except for two, right? But you have the team's championships and the singles championship. You have all the great players in the game. How is the deck stacked against you? It was the most mind-numbing thing that I've ever heard. And for John Roca and Ben Bateman to echo that same sentiment is, a, is something that I cannot even begin to fathom. The audacity of these three individuals to sit there and say that on a Schmodown Entertainment Network branded stream, I was beside myself, Frank Janish, and I still am. When I heard those same sentiments shared, it's one thing for Dagnino to put it out there. I mean, sure. Okay. That's his mentality. I get it. But 
I think Ben Bateman and John Roca are intellectually at another level to where they can go, okay, maybe it's not that bad, Tom. You know, maybe it's not that bad, but okay. But they they shared a, they, there was no wavering between any three of them. There's no wavering in, in that in that notion. And I could not I like you, I could not believe what I was hearing. I was like, are you are you kidding me? For everything you just said, they're in first place, they have all the best players, most like they have like sixty percent of all the top players in the league in one faction. But yet the league is stacked the deck is stacked against them because the Barbarian and Emily Rose Jacobson happen to be in the same quad for the Intergeekdom tournament. It's like, you know, first of all, no one's going to feel sorry for them that, that that happened. And why? Because they're so dominant. They have the greatest player of all time in Dan Merle. I mean, for everything you just said, I don't have to reiterate it. So it, it was very laughable and it was actually irritating and annoying to listen to like that. They actually believe this stuff. Now, on the other hand, taking some time away from that, you know, again, going back to last dance, Mike, he made up stuff right, to get him going. Like and maybe this story. is what they do to get themselves going, to keep to stay in that underdog mentality, if you will. Maybe that's what they're doing over there. But say that behind closed doors, guys. You don't it, have to put that out in public. It comes across as completely <laughs> tone deaf. It yeah. comes across as unaware and living within your own bubble. And I just expect more. From these guys. You know, I here's the thing, though. Michael may have had to make things up to motivate himself. He still knew he was on the greatest team in the league. He still knew he was the greatest player in the league. And he wasn't coming out in the press interviews and saying, well, you know, I just feel like the deck stacked against me. Um, you know, these bad boy Pistons, they're just too much to handle. And, and you know, I don't really appreciate uh, Commissioner Stern for organizing the playoffs in which they did. I think that it's just completely ridiculous. He didn't say any of that. Michael was like, uh, okay, I'm going to make up this story about how this guy told me good game, Mike, so I can be motivated on the second night of right. a back-to-back when I have to go play the Washington Bullets on a Thursday night. Okay, I need to get up for this game because I'm just too good at this. That's different from saying, well, you know, the deck's always stacked against us. I can't believe they put two of our players in the same side of the bracket or in the same quadrant. How ridiculous is that? I can't believe Andrew DeMolanta has to play the competition that he has to play. This is just beyond ridiculous. It's like, what? And trust me, I'm a Finstock Exchange fan. I might roll with the rock stars, but I'm a Finstock Exchange fan. You have to appreciate greatness. But I never heard the Warriors, when they got KD, say, the deck's kind of stacked against us this season. You know what (laughs) I mean? I don't really see us going out there and just taking it all the, you know, the right. They didn't care about any of that. They knew they were the best team. They knew it. You can, as a, as a Finstock exchange, as a faction, you can say, look, I think it's unfair that Emily Rose Jacobson and the Barbarian are in the same, same quad. That's fine. I, and, and they're right. It is a bit, that is unfair when no one the else. The the old mob flop. Right. And when, when, because no other faction had that kind of scenario. And so they were the only one. And you can say, hey, like, What's that? What's that about? You know, you can you can put that That's out fine. there. One hundred percent agree. I agree. But then to go on and say, "Yep, stack stack is stacked against us," like always. No, okay, no, 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 no. It's not. It's not. In this one scenario, in this one instance, I don't even say the deck was stacked against you in this scenario, because I think that's too too much of a uh, hyperbolic statement to make. And for the for this, it's like, look, I don't get why Emily Rose Jacobson and Barbarian are in the same quad. Maybe we can change this. I don't know. And guess what? It got changed. Oh, it got changed. Look at so. you. You know what they are? They're the people. 
They're, they're the superstars who are going for 45 that night, and they still go and blame the ref after the ref makes a call on them that, you know, they get a foul. They still go, oh, I didn't touch him. I didn't do this. So they can get their way. Don't complain your way to the championship. Play your way to it, right? If you think that the deck is always stacked against you and you've prevailed this far, you've become this dominant with the deck stacked against you, then don't complain all the time. Y'all are the greatest ever. And you know who I don't hear complain? Dan Merle. He is out of this conversation. I'm throwing him to the yeah. side. Dan is on his own island. But for Ben Bateman, who I still believe to be the best player of all time, I believe he's the best player of all time, and I broke that down in our Atlanta preview. If you don't know what I mean, go back and listen to it. John Rocha, Hall of Famer, legend of the game, Mount Rushmore. You can make the argument that he's the GOAT. You can make that argument, right? Mark Riley, a foundational player in this league. Uh, and then who am I missing? Who am I missing? I've, I've mentioned them all. I mentioned them all. They're all fantastic. Barbarian and Emily Rose, I'm sorry that y'all were in the same quadrant. It, it was an oversight. It may have been an error or it may have been intentional. I don't know. It doesn't matter. You just play the hand that you're dealt. If the deck's been stacked against you this long, play the hand you're dealt, damn it. Stop uh -oh. complaining up. all the time. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it anymore out of the Finstock Exchange. It's embarrassing. It makes you look lesser than. Rise above it. Be the goats. Be the boats. Be the champions that you are. Damn it. It just really pissed me off, Frank. Really got under my skin. And you know what else was, was terrible about this episode of Backstage? It wasn't terrible. I'm just kidding, of course. I love how, though, they were talking to all the managers who... um about their their draft choices, about their free agency choices, I should say. And Ben had the same question for every manager who came on who wanted Sabrina Ramirez. And he was just pretty much like, yeah, so we got Sabrina. I know you wanted her. You lost out to it. How does that make you feel? Like a real loser or what? <laughs> right, like, right. Why'd you have to say that every time? We get it. We get it. Y'all got Everyone, the person everyone wanted, you continued to win all the matches. You're in first place. It was just a bit. It was a bit too much of the Finstock Exchange this this week for me. It's a bit too much. Maybe they should switch up the co-host. Maybe they should have like a different faction mate join every week. You know what I mean? Not faction mate, like a different faction representative from a different faction. Switch it up. Maybe I don't think that's gonna happen, but you know, maybe. Well, you know, like 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 when Winston came on there, he was like, "Look, let me let me let me set y'all correct here." Get your mind yeah. right. Yeah. Right, I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna listen to here and and hear the Finstock Hour for the whole time. You know, we need to switch this <laughs> right. up. You know. So anyway, okay. I've ranted enough. You've ranted enough. Let's talk about the brackets itself. Where do you want to start? You want to start Star Wars or IG? We've been talking about IG. Yeah, Star Wars. Okay. Yeah. Let's start Star, Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So let us go to that Star Wars. I'm bringing up now. Sorry, I have it's on my phone. I'm low. I'm low tech today. I'm low fi Okay. Here it is. In the left side of the bracket, we have Molly Damon versus Adam Witt. Joseph Scrimshaw versus Andrew Demolanta. They even complained, I think, about Joseph Scrimshaw and Demolanta going in yeah, in the first yeah, round, yeah, which is yeah. just it's and it's an eight person tournament. You're gonna have to get to right, him eventually. Exactly. Jesus, man! Yeah. Oh my lord, it's just nauseating. Okay, Molly Damon, Adam Witt. This is interesting. We saw Adam Witt earlier this year against Sean Sullivan. I think that Adam Witt's a guy who's very entertaining. And he seems to love Star Wars. He knows a whole hell of a lot about it. He's got several books that I know in his possession based on Star Wars. He's based his entire life on Star Wars. Molly Damon, who we've seen play in the celebration, right, at the celebration, 
not in a traditional Star Wars play um, here in the movie trivia showdown. So I'm excited to see how these two match up with each other and if Molly Damon is just like her husband, Alex Damon. I mean, if she has the same level of knowledge, which is possible, as Alex Damon, wow, this is going to be fireworks if she goes through this entire tournament and then they end up playing each other at the collision or whenever they would play. It would be nuts. It would be. It would be the first, you know, husband-wife championship match, husband-wife match, period. On top of that, it would be a championship match. And and it was it was certainly a possibility we could have seen in Chicago when she was in that Fatal Five-Way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously that did not happen. And uh, I'm sorry, Alex Damon ended up facing Scrimshaw. And we'll get to him in a bit. But for Molly, you're right. I think, fair or unfair, she has a certain amount of hype behind her because Alex Damon, her husband, is the Star Wars champion. And, oh, by the way, not, not, as, not only is he just the champion, he is insanely dominant. Of, of any champion we've ever had, Alex Damon, for his respective league, is the most dominant of champion we've seen yeah. across all leagues, respective to their own you know, championships. If Molly is anything like that, and you're right, it very well could be. She's got a real shot at making it uh, uh, to face Alex for a title shot, which would be incredible. But Adam Witt... I think he had a really good showing against Sean Sullivan. I'm sure he's trying to build upon that. So where will he land when he finally squares off against Molly? I think this matchup is very even for those reasons. And it could go either way. I am I am rooting for Molly Damon because I want to see the that at least I would like to see Molly Damon get a win here to 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 at least get another tally in the Damon household in Star Wars. And that'd be nice. Um, but Adam Wick could certainly do it. I think he could certainly pull it off. Yeah, I mean, I just don't know. I don't have enough tape really on either one of them in Star Wars. Right. But um, we've seen Adam Wick earlier this season. And him and Molly, That's I think that's a good first-round matchup, though. I really like the matchup between these two. And then Scrimshaw, Demolanta. A lot of people are earmarking Scrimshaw to take this thing the entire way through because he has done very well against Alex Damon. He's come up short. But he's done very well uh, in Star Wars overall, especially against Alex Damon. And Andrew DeMolanta, he just hadn't been able to get going. You know what I mean? I think he's yeah. a very knowledgeable guy. He just hasn't been able to get going in Star Wars. So that's why I'm not sure exactly um, how he's going to fare against Joseph Scrimshaw, somebody who's ready, willing, and able to unleash all the X-Wings and TIE Fighters on him at one time and just go for the gold. I mean, Andrew DiMolanta, of all these competitors, has the highest accuracy rate, although it's only through two matches. You know, Scrimshaw has played more. Ken has played more. Um, Laura Kelly has played one more than DiMolanta. So you kind of look at it with a grain of salt in terms of these players' accuracy rates. Uh, and, well, not, not I'm sorry. Look at their records and kind of throw that all away because not many people have more than one win. Uh, and it's actually only... Alex Damon is the only person who has more than one win in Star Wars. Everybody else has one win or no win. So, is that you know, you true? Can throw that, yeah, yeah. Because the league doesn't play that often, and when they do, they've generally had some you know five way matches. So people rack up more losses than you would wins. Mm. Um, wow. So, so even Ken only has one win. Yeah. Wow. Okay. 
I didn't. Yeah. I didn't realize he, that in Star Wars. He won. It, he won in Orlando, right? Which he became the champion. Then he awaited the winner of, of the scrim. Okay. Uh, well, actually, yeah. I guess I guess Sam Witwer technically would have more, but of current players, uh, no one else has more than one win. So, right. um, because Damon beat Knapsack, and he won the five way um, to face Knapsack, so he would have two wins there. Um, but Scrimshaw and Dimalaza, I mean, that that to me is a finals matchup. Um, I think these guys are that good. And yeah, you can complain all you want that Andrew's got to face Demo, uh, Andrew's got to face Scrimshaw first. But like you said, it's an eight-person tournament. Yeah. Think of it as a second round already. Yeah, it is a and second round, and it's really not that out of realm of possibility that this could have been a second round matchup, maybe a semifinal matchup. Sure, maybe more ideal, but this is going to be a hell of a match, and I'm excited to see it because I think whoever wins this one has a real shot at winning the whole thing. Well, yeah, and uh, and I think it's going to be Scrimshaw. I do. I, I, do I know. Think I think so. I said in other places, Andrew, but officially, I'm going to I'm going to stick with Scrimshaw on this one. Based on hype, I got Molly Damon and I got Joseph Scrimshaw going into the next round, uh, into the final four here. So then we'll go to the other side yeah. of the bracket: Laura Kelly and Sean Sullivan. Let's start there. Laura Kelly, phenomenal. She's great. She's really good. Yeah. Um, Sean Sullivan. We saw him play Adam Witt earlier this this year. Um, and the only Star Wars match I think that we've seen so far this season. Correct. Um, and he's a knowledgeable cat, man. And this is a guy who's waited for his opportunity on a multitude of occasions to get in the league and get and start mixing it up with some of the names that he has watched for so long. And are you all right over there? What do you what do you, what do you got going on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Don't worry. Okay. The, camera, the camera's not even on me. Okay. Okay. Good. Uh, <laughs> sorry, L- Laura Kelly. Though we saw what she was able to bring, and and she's. You know, I was on a stream earlier this year. Uh, I was on a Zoom call, Zoom stream, or whatever you call it. We were watching WrestleMania 3. It was a watch-along. I was on a stream, and I'm I'm watching it. And, you know, you, you know, on a Zoom call, all the, like, the little faces pop up on the on the thing. And I'm watching it, and then all of a sudden, somebody pops up next to me in the frame. And I'm like, who is that? And I kind of squint my eyes, and I said, is that a Vander Holyfield? And it was. It was a Vander Holyfield. You're on a Zoom call with a Vander Holyfield. I was on a Zoom call with a Vander Holyfield, David Arquette, uh, Big Show, Mark Henry, uh, Booker, Miz, Renee, uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. Um, it was very odd. It was a very odd call. It, it went all over the. Were, and place. were they like, "Who the hell are you?" Uh, they all knew I'm the boat. Um, okay. <laughs> but I say that so it was a Vander, and I think that Laura Kelly is realer than real deal Holyfield. This girl can really bring it, man, and I'm excited. You know, Frank, she might be my dark horse. She might be my dark horse to go all the way. She's not being talked about enough. Am I am I crazy in thinking Laura Kelly could pull this off? No, I don't think you're crazy at all because if you're crazy, then I'm crazy. You're going Laura Kelly too? I am going to go Laura Kelly. You know, she's from Chicago. I got to rep. So, and, and look, Sean Sullivan, I know what I said earlier in the week. I'm sorry, buddy. And I told you it was only going to last a week. I told you it was only going to last. You're only going to love me for a week. And another podcast, uh, Finstock Exchange, I believe I picked Sean Sullivan to get to the final. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I've already gone back on it. Yeah. So this is my, like, those are my unofficial takes on those other shows. (laughs) This is my official take. Like I said, I got Molly, I got Joseph Scrimshaw, and I'm taking Laura Kelly over Sean Sullivan. You're right. Laura Kelly is great. She's great. And... She hasn't, you know, if you listen to, uh, I think it's Northern Constellations, the Schmoes of the North, who, by the way, I was just on their show 
Uh, those are great guys to talk hey, to. Hey, where's my invite, oh. Schmoes of the North? They want to have you on, dude. Oh, okay. They're just well, scared of you. Happen. They're scared of you because they don't know if you're mean or not. So, and you know, Canadians are really nice, so they don't want to mess with you if you're really mean. So, I put in a good word for you. Don't worry about it. They think I'm mean. They think you're mean. They think you're mean. They think you're a mean guy. I mean, can you blame them? So, I mean, I, don't know. I totally understand. Anyways, we're getting off topic. It happens. Laura Kelly. This is our third and a half rundown in a week. We're going to get off topic. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Laura Kelly, I think she she is great. Well, I was going to say on Northern Constellations, Northern Constellations uh, she hasn't been um, a Star Wars fan for as long as I or you or some other people out there. She's recently found the fandom and fell in love with it. And so much so that she was able to contend for a title at Spectacular last year. So what does that tell you about the type of person that she is and how she prepares and how how dedicated she she is? So for a lot of that, you know, I, I got to roll with Laura Kelly, not only because she's from Chicago, um, but I think she really does have the goods to to take this whole thing and really give Scrimshaw a run for his money if my predictions are right. So and then that's not to say that Sean Sullivan won't play great, because guess what? Everyone in this tournament, eight person tournament, well, nine kind of is going to play great. And they're all going to hit, like, upper 70s, 80, maybe even higher in all the matches. And you're not going to see any, like, really clunky type of performances because everyone is so uh, up on the material that there's, right. that there's not going to be many misses. I'd be curious to see in totality how many misses and give, like, the overall accuracy rate of the entire tournament. That would be fun to look at at the end of this thing. But, uh, yeah, I got Laura Kelly advancing past Sean Sullivan. Okay, now let's go to the play-in match. We have Andres Cabrera, who we just saw. Um, compete against Robert Parker in IG. And he's going to be playing against Josh Cavado, the new pickup from the Rockstars. And um, we don't know much about Josh. I, I try to get some intel from Christian Harloff. Christian Harloff said that they've been trying to have Josh be a part of the Schmoes universe for quite a long time. So this has been a guy who's been sought after for a while. And Roxy, of course, flipped JTE for Josh and a third-round pick for next year's draft. And he's going against Andres. Andres, of course, was the um, a, a regular, a panelist, a host of Jedi Council back in the Collider days when that was still a thing. And he um, he's going to be knowledgeable. So I, I I don't know enough to make an, an articulate decision on yeah. which one of these guys is going to get into the bracket proper. I'm just going to go Josh because of the hype around him. Um, yeah. And Andres might just be a little shaky after that after that Robert Parker loss. I think after talking to Roxy as well about Josh, how she was trying to like gauge his level of play, I'm gonna go Josh as well. And I, like I've seen his name floated around here and there. Um, I know he, he does a podcast as well. He has a show, and like obviously you cited Ace and Jedi Council, and I know Ace is a huge Star Wars fan. But I also think Josh has probably been preparing more for the Schmodown. Not only just Star Wars trivia, but right. the Schmodown. Right. right. And I know I know Ace, he goes in there and has a good time. But I don't know if he's really prepared for he may have now since you know he lost to Parker. You know, that may have ignited something within him to get really um acquainted, reacquainted with the game as it is today. But I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Josh Quevedo over Ace. Uh, I just think based purely on kind of speculation, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm going and to go a, and Josh. And a gut feeling. Yeah. And a gut feeling. It just yeah. feel. I don't know, I just feel it. Um, and then that brings us to, so potentially we're thinking it's going to be Josh Cavado, Vince Ken Knapsack. Motivated Ken, 
could run the he could run the board. Motivated Kent could run the board. He had a great promo that was real fun and entertaining that he dropped on his YouTube channel. I just don't know if he's motivated. I don't know. And I don't know if he's spending his time. Because look, I, I wrote this book about Back to the Future. He wrote a book about Star Wars. And after you put so much time, love, and energy into something, you kind of want to take a break from that material for sure. a little while. You know what I mean? You're like, I, I need to step away from it. I'll come back to it because I love it so much. Need, need a little bit of a, of, of a siesta away from it. So I don't think that he's out there studying all the time for Star Wars. And I just don't know. I just don't know. So my gut is he takes this L. That's what the gut says. He takes this L. Dude, I've been thinking the same thing, man. Wow, I've we're finally like thing. on the same wavelength. This For has real. never happened. And it's, and, it's, and it's because of what you just said about Ken and his mentality right now. Um, and Ken, or I'm sorry, Christian just said the other day on SEN Live that Ken's probably not going to be studying. Why would he? Like, he's not going to be studying. So, and guess who's hungry for it probably more than him? Ace Quibedo. or Josh Quavedo. Yeah. Now, I don't know if Ace could beat Ken, to tell you the truth, just because I think Ken is just that knowledgeable, and I think, you know, that's how it might shake out. But I, without knowing anything about Josh Quavedo, to tell you, you know, honestly, I still think he could beat Ken just because Ken will not be, you know, dipping into sort of any training regimen or brushing up. He's going to go in there knowing what he knows. But I will say this. We are in a similar situation with Ken that we were once with Christian Harloff. Remember his kind of his revenge tour, if you will. You the, know, the summer of Harloff. Right, where he eventually wound up with the title. He wasn't looking to to win the whole thing. He he set up matches against Snyder, Bibiani, and it just so happened that he ended up working his way to a title match and then winning it. He didn't mean for that to happen. I don't think he was. He, and, and the whole time he's running the league, you know, he's building right. the league at that time. And you see him when he wins the title, he shakes his head like, oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't trying to do any of that. He wasn't yeah. trying to do any of that. And it just sort of happened to him. I wonder if the same thing would happen with Ken. However, the level of play is way more elevated than what Christian had to go through, relatively speaking. So I don't know if that's in the stars for Ken, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him lollygag his way into the final, to tell you the truth, and him just going, why does this keep happening to me? Why am I keep playing? He's he even said in his promo, he wanted to retire. Yeah. And sometimes the game won't let you retire when you want to retire. It didn't let Christian do it. Didn't let Christian step away when but also, he thought he was going to step away. But also Dana White says this in the UFC because uh, Henry Cejudo, UFC champion, just retired, and he said that he's been talking about it for a long time, and, and he said if your mind is on retirement in this game, you need to retire. So we'll yeah. see. We'll see. That's our preview, though, for the first round. I don't think we go past that. Let's see what happens in round one, and then we'll break it down. Don't well, you I'm going to tell you my final matchup, though. Okay, go ahead. We still Scrimshaw have a whole... Kelly. Okay. Scrimshaw really? versus Kelly, and I got Scrimshaw taking the whole thing. I think Scrimshaw is going to take the whole thing as well. Yeah. I do. I think he's got it. I think he's got it in the bag. Although it'd be very interesting if Molly Damon. I just would be very interesting. Sorry, like a Molly, like a Molly, like a Molly Damon Joseph Scrimshaw semifinals would be interesting. Laura Kelly versus Josh Guevedo. I got Laura Kelly. You know, Laura Kelly Scrimshaw Scrimshaw over Laura Kelly. So I'm looking forward to this matchup or this tournament rather. All right, let's let's go through the IG matchups, and I say let's just pick our let's pick our winners through each of them. 
because uh, there's a lot to get through. So let's yeah. go um, start at the top. The Barbarian versus Adam. Real, real quick, it's funny how they laid out this bracket. I feel like it's they should have flipped it. Like, Kalinowski, what's he doing at the bottom right? He should be in the top left. Oh, I see. He's like the number one seed. So I just want, I was like, Barbarian number one seed? What? And I, then I yeah. scoured the, the bracket and I was like, okay. Uh, you know, it's, a pretty, it's well, a pretty bracket, though. Can I say pretty. that? It's I very, like it. It, it looks very good. Um, so yeah. shout out to Brian Ward, I'm sure, um, who made this. So let's let's start, though. Finstock Exchange has the Barbarian versus Swags Adam Lavick. I just can't bet against the Barbarian. I don't know how good he is in IG. I know Adam is very good in IG. I just can't bet against the Barbarian. The man is a monster. He's a machine. And I can't bet against him. So I got Barbarian in that first round. Yeah, when I look at this this quadrant, it just seems like it's set up for the Barbarian to get to the semifinals, uh, if you want my honest truth there. So, yeah, I'm picking Barbarian over Adam Lavick. Adam Lavick's going to give him a hell of a match. Oh, yeah. Sure. It's not going to be think- an easy win. But I think if, if I'm listening to Christian Harloff and I'm listening to everyone in the Finstock Exchange hype this dude up, and I don't think it's hyperbole when Finstock Exchange members do it. I mean, when I listen to them talk about him, it doesn't seem like they're blowing smoke. No, he's the it, real It deal. seems like they're legitimately – you can really tell that like, they believe what they're saying. It's not just you know blowing smoke. He, he's the real deal. And then you have Janine and John Humphrey. I don't know how either one of them are really in IG, especially Janine. I feel like yeah. Janine's a stronger player than John Humphrey. So for that reason, I'd go Janine in this first mat- round matchup. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think when you look at Janine and John Humphrey matchup, it seems pretty even, like an even matchup to me. And you go, John Humphrey, who's his manager? Coy Jandrew, how do you do an interheatum? Not that great. <laughs> yeah, Janine, I... who's who's in her faction? Sam Levine, and who's unofficially there? Rachel Cushing. Rachel how'd she do an interheatum? Pretty damn good. <laughs> pretty freaking good. Who's Who's Janine friends with? Kevin Smets, Brandon Hanna, how do they play? Pretty damn good. So I think Janine has access to a lot of resources that can really take her game to a level really quickly that can get her a win over John Humphrey. All right, man, this might be the my, my most anticipated first-round matchup. Chance Ellison versus Paulo Yama. God, do I love this. Ah, thank you, whoever put this bracket together. I love this first-round <laughs> matchup. Corruptions, Chance Ellison, who we've seen play in Intergeekdom before. He was in a Fatal Five way, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah, it didn't do With, well. With uh, Brandon Hanna, Chandra Nadapani, and I think it was Keaton in there. I think it was Keaton. And Marky, yeah. Chance. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, he, he didn't win. He didn't win. Yeah. Um, Paulo Yama, this, is, this was the rookie of the year, really. I mean, the rookie sensation. Um, went all the way to the championship, didn't defend it. Um, well, defended it, but didn't defend it at the spectacular. And um, but he beat Dan Merle for that title. Beat Jeff Snyder. Um, worked his way up there. He lost to Ben Bateman in a uh, one-sided affair. But has since I think shown some promise coming back. Right? I mean, didn't go his way in singles so much. But final exam is a great team, and I think that he's 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 getting back into the rhythm of it. So I think this is a really good matchup. Uh, I don't know. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Precious Paulo Yama, man. I got to. You know, I love this matchup and I hate it at the same time, because I do want to see this happen, but not in the first round. Yeah. But I definitely want to see them play again because you know right. they played in singles. Paul came out on top, and in Intergeekdom, I think Chance 
will take this one. I think it'll finally break through in a, in a tournament. Ironically, it won't be like singles or teams. Uh, well, don't worry about teams, but singles. So I'm, I'm going to take Chance in, in a pretty tight match over Paulo Yama because I think Chance probably really wants to to kind of get over that first round hurdle that he hasn't been able to clear the past couple of years, even though it is, you know, in regards to a singles tournament. But I, I think this would be a fun, exciting, um, another quote unquote fan league matchup. Cause that's what this whole quad is when we yeah. get to this next match. <laughs> okay. Then you have a play in game between Jim Vavid and Ben Goddard. And let's be honest. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't really matter. Like Not it really. matters. But it doesn't really matter. It doesn't. <laughs> right. Because yeah. whoever wins has to go against Robert Parker. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who you thinking, David or Goddard? I don't know, man. I think Ben Goddard, his knowledge in Middle Earth is, is insane. I think Jim Vavida, this guy wrote for IGN. He, he covers a lot of these movies. I don't know the detail in which... He remembers these movies, but he's a guy who's a shoot-from-the-hip kind of guy and can pull out a lot of great, great uh, answers. Oh, my gut tells me Goddard. My gut tells me Goddard. My gut the whole time has been telling me Goddard as well, but I think that first round's going to be very contentious. I think Vavita probably knows these movies well enough to put up a nice score in the first round, but I think once you get into the second round and final round where it gets a little, where the details matter a little bit more, I think probably Goddard has the edge there because he's been pre- he's been preparing for that type of thing, but I think it's gonna be a close match. It's gonna be a close match, but I got Goddard squeaking it out because I think Vava's gonna surprise some people. And the fact that Roxy did not choose Jared Haben, you know, I think says that she has a little bit more confidence in Vava. And oh, I'm Haben shocked. is she has more <laughs> confidence in, in the player who then she has more confidence in Vava than the player says I'm not gonna study for this stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. But <laughs> so, but I don't know that Jim Vavid is studying for this either. I just think he probably has more raw knowledge and gives her a better shot. Um, it is funny though with this whole Brandon Hanna stuff that Goddard would be the one playing a play-in match um, when, yeah. in my estimation, had she rolled with Brandon Hanna and Goddard, she never would have had a player in the play-in match. That's just my my opinion. I don't I don't know that for a fact. I don't know. But she because, wouldn't have to worry about this because so I think worry Robert about someone playing. Because that's the other thing. I'm sorry. That's the other thing she mentioned on backstage. She thought that if Brandon Hanna was going to be in the tournament, she'd still face Robert Parker and in the first round. I completely disagree with that because of Brandon's stature in the league. There's no way he should have been paired up with Parker in the first round. Because if he had been, I would have screamed about, there's some nonsense going on there. There's no way Brandon Hanna at 2-2 two and two, which should face Robert Parker 1-0 and oh in the first round. Yeah. I don't care right. whatever hype you have behind you in Robert Parker um, and whatever you think of Brandon Hanna. Just stat-wise, um, Brandon's tenure in the league supersedes Robert Parker, and you can think about their skill level. You can, talk, you can argue about all that all you want, but for Kate to throw that out there, I thought was, I don't know, I thought ill-conceived on her part. I mean, she could have been right. I don't know, but I, if that had happened, I would have cried foul on that one. But anyways, all we went past that. But speaking of Hanna... The new the yeah. new member of the Burning Droogs goes up against the Dens, Saul. Yeah. Saul's going to get whooped up on. I'll be honest with you. Brandon Hanna might be 500. I don't think Saul is going to... I'm going to make a prediction. I, I know nothing about him. Nothing. Yeah. I know nothing. Other than his appearances on SEM. I think that he scores. 
I think that he scores 11 points for the whole match. That's what he's going to score, 11 points. I'm not even going to venture a guess on that because sometimes people surprise, and I'm not saying... Look, you guys swing for the fences. You guys swing for the fences. If he, if he only scores 11 True. points or 12 points, it looks look like a genius. You know what I mean? If he gets 30, <laughs> I say, ah, you know, you win some, you lose. Right, right. Well, I mean, I, I am taking Brandon Hanna, for yeah. sure. Yes, for sure. I mean, I've, I've been saying it the past week, he, he answers 80% of his questions, and those players do not grow on trees. They don't. There's not many people that do who, who have a career average of 80%. Not even Mike, but if you take away his early years, yeah, maybe Mike and a handful of other players, Smets, Cushing, Jason Inman. Um, you know, there's only a handful of players, Chandru, obviously, play above 80%. What makes you think Saul's going to come out here and play above 80%? I, I don't think so. He might get close to it, but I, I think Brandon Hanna will come out on top with this one. And I kind of wish we kind of had like one round buildup between. Hannah facing some member of the den, but hey, first round matchup. No, you gotta do this in the first round. You gotta do it in the first round. Knock Saul out, beat him up, beat him up bad. Jen Kemp from the usual suspects. Don't uh, I I don't know how she stacks up against Alex Damon. Alex Damon, we saw in Atlanta make his IG debut, beat Emily Rose Jacobson. Um, I'm gonna go with Damon here, but my only concern is will his attention be split? Even though he's not competing in the Star Wars match, you know he's going to be spending a lot of time helping somebody prep for that Star Wars match. Will it take away from his own prep time? I'm not sure, but I'm going to go with Alex Damon in this first round. I want to pick Alex Damon as well because I've seen him play, and I feel like he'll be improved. But part of me really wants to pick Jen Kemp. She's been in the fan leagues a while. She, I think she used to write questions for the Schmodown. Once upon a time. Yeah. I, I, you know what? You know, you said swing for the fences. I want to swing for the fence on this one. I'm going to take go Jen for Kemp. It. Go for it. a shocker over Alex Damon. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Look, she's going to be back in her element in terms of yeah. family kind of setup with online play. And, you know, she doesn't have to worry about kind of any audience around her or what have you. So normally I'd probably, if this was an in-studio match, I'd probably take Damon just because he would have the advantage over like the jitters and whatnot over a rookie. But uh, yeah, I'd like to see Jen Kemp surprise some people. And um, I think she could do it. All right, let's go. Emily Rose Jacobson and Eric Zipper. I know the Z-Man's getting prepped by Kevin Smets. And I don't think that Bobby Gucci is prepping Emily Rose Jacobson. And I think Emily Rose is very smart. She's an H-Town girl. What up, Emily? Um, I'm going Eric Zipper. Yeah, um, Emily Rose obviously will be training or prepping at least, I think, with Adam Lavic. So that helps them both because they're both in the tournament, um, you know, because they're together in real life. So obviously they'll probably help each other. But I, I, I know what Zipper's doing. I know you have inside information. A little bit, and it's. No, I mean, you have inside no information from. It's <laughs> right. Can, oh, can he be uh, the one who should not be named? Can that be his new gimmick on here? Like Who, Kevin Smets? How dare you speak his name? <laughs> I've been watching Harry Potter. So. Oh, gosh. I've, it sounded like you were, yeah. yeah. Um, but Eric Zipper, like, yes, he's being helped by Kevin Smets. And I'm sure Robert Parker's not adverse to helping him out. Um, because they want the points for the fashion. They're on opposite sides of the bracket. So it, it right. makes sense to at least, hey, 
zip. If you can get to the final, that's great for both of us. If I'm Parker, right? Or if you're the dungeon as a whole. But I know exactly what Smet's his his whole regimen is, and I'm not saying Zipper's doing it fully because I don't think Smet's gave away the farm in that in that regard. But he he set Zipper on a path to go. If you do this stuff, I guarantee you, you will see incredible results. And I believe it because yeah. Kevin Smet has put it through the test. I think Zipper is is going to win big against Emily. Huge. Not that Emily doesn't play bad, but I think Zipper is going to impress a lot of people. Like, holy crap, there is legit threat in this quad. 2-1. Um, Greg Alba, well, Warfather, have a play-in game. I'm going to go Warfather on this one. I just think that, I don't know, Just I think he's better at IG. Just a gut feeling. But I'm going to go Greg. But again, does it really matter? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Does it really matter? Because I'm picking Greg just because I think he's going to have a great time with this and and he's going to inexplicably win. He won't know how he did it. It'll just happen and it's going to be a great moment and it's something we'll remember because we'll be like, the end is here for you now. And then <laughs> <playing Mike> Kalinowski. <laughs> he plays Mike Kalinowski. <laughs> yeah. And I just don't think that, I, you know, if, if, if Greg Alba or the Warfather beat Mike Kalinowski... It's a wrap for KO. It's a wrap. It's done. Stick a fork in them. Stick the teams. IG ain't for you. But it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, obviously, I have Mike winning against whoever he plays against here because I do. I'm going to jump here ahead. I got Zipper and Mike. I think Mike will beat Zipper, but Zipper will will give him everything that Mike can handle. And it's going to be fun to see Mike go up against Zip zippity doodah. I'm going to look forward to that kind of interaction because that's always fun. Uh, and then I'm going to take Brandon Hanna over Jen Kemp to face Kalinowski in the semifinal. And I'll take I'll take Kalinowski to advance to the final while I also have Barbarian mowing oh. his way through to the semifinal to face Robert Parker where Robert Parker will win and then Robert Parker will take Kalinowski and then Robert Parker will win the whole damn thing I, and uh, have to face Kevin Smith. I don't know! There's a there's a potential of three possible winners. It's either going to be Barbarian, Parker, or Kalinowski, which is crazy to say about Barbarian, who's never played an IG. We, we just, I'm that confident in him. And Barbarian and Robert Parker is a match that I never knew that I wanted until you just said it. And, oh my gosh, I'm so hyped to see this match. It's it, too bad it won't be in studio, but oh, I would love it in studio. Oh my God, could you imagine? I don't know, man. I think, I think... I don't know who to pick in the final. I know it's going to be Robert Parker and Mike. That's what I feel. That's what my gut is. Yeah. I just don't know who's going to but come also, out. But also, if Randy Hanna gets to the semifinal, I honestly think he has a real shot against Mike. No. I do. No. I think he's got a real That's shot against Mike. That's because you're friends Mike. with him. There's no There's no way he has a shot against Mike. He lost to Chandra twice. Okay, well, guess what? Did, Mike you know, dodged did, Andrew. I don't care what he says. He dodged Andrew. He didn't dodge anybody. He, he's, using, he's using teams as an excuse. I don't care. He dodged Andrew. Okay? Uh, that's a narrative. So, it fits your narrative. But here's my thing. Mike beat who? Oh, yeah. Rachel Cushing. He's going to beat Brandon Hanna. I'm not saying that, that Mike is not going to beat Brandon. But I think Brandon does have a decent shot. If he gets to the semifinal, I think he will have a, he'll have a shot. At, at upsetting Mike, could he? Will he do it? I, I personally don't think it'll happen. Okay, but I that think, sounds about right. I think 
don't be surprised. Like I'd be like, shocked. Yeah, but shocked. I won't be. I'd be like, and don't be surprised how close that match could be. I'd be shocked. Um, I'd be shocked. I'm not shocked if it's close, but I'd be shocked if if he wins. And yeah, look, I am friends with Brandon, and I know what he does. So yeah, and I know how good Mike is. So yeah, maybe I do have a little more insight into how that match might go. So that's why I, I think it'll be really close if that matchup does happen. You know what they tell you um, when I was at the sports book for this Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury fight a few months ago in February, and um, you're in the sports book, and there's this old there's this old dude, you know, African American guy. He had like the fedora with the feather in it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like one of those old school cats, right? Okay. And he and he had you know this real nice suit on. Uh, this gold bracelet, gold watch. He looked like a real player, man. I wanted to be friends with this guy, and um, I, I, you know, I was kind of talking to him while I was looking at the sports book. I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I think Tyson Fury's got great skills, but Deontay Wilder, he's from Alabama. That's where my family's from. You know, he's undefeated. I gotta go with Deontay. And this this guy looks at me, goes, "Let me give you a piece of advice. You never bet with your heart." And I, was, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is my guy. You never bet with your heart. And uh, Did I, I think, say Brandon Hannibal was going to upset Mike? Is that what I said? No. I, no, but but you said he has a great shot. Yeah, he does. Yeah. That, he that, will. Don't ever bet with your heart. You know what's another great saying? <laughs> I only chew my cabbage once. All right, so tell me about this draft rules. What what What, what are the new draft yeah. rules? You ever heard so, that before? I only chew my cabbage once. No. Have you ever heard happier no. than a possum eating peach seeds? I think you may have said that once on the show. Have you ever heard louder than so, a but, cow pissing on a flat rock? I think so. Just from you, though. If if, if I heard it, it came from you once upon a time. All right. Well, how do these draft rules work? So, Christian announced that... There's going to be a pre-draft free agency period, which is funny because I had been thinking about kind of how would next year look as well. Yeah. And I and and my thinking was, wouldn't it be great before the draft if all the managers could court signing the champions at that point? Like everyone just goes after, tries to sign the champions. I thought that'd be really cool. But listen to Christian, he took my idea. Well, not my idea. He didn't take my idea, but he had the idea and took it a little bit further instead of make it open to everybody. But managers can only sign, he said four, but it looks like it's going to be three players. At least that was according to the latest tweet I saw from his account. Said three looks more like the possibility. So managers would be able to sign anybody, champion or not, before the draft, but only fill three slots. And then you go into the draft like normal and have that whole process. So that's kind of the new adjustment that's looking to be implemented for the 2021 draft, which I like because it had, does have to be done pre-draft because you don't want to do it after the draft because then players can kind of really pick and choose, well, this this team is really set up very nice. Let me go there. So it kind of takes that element out of it. But um, I, I like this idea because I think there needs to be a little bit more of a shakeup uh, in terms of the the talent I think the talent is spread off spread around pretty evenly but I think what the pre-draft free agency period do, does brings us that excitement that we just experienced this past week but to a whole nother level when Dan Merle John Roca Ben Bateman William Bibiani Ethan Irwin all of them hit the open market 
Now they can go back with their same faction, or they could jump ship to another faction. So, so do you do you have to? So, if they're the team champions, do you have to draft them as a team? So, would you have to sign them both? As sign the, them as a team. Yeah, you have to sign team. them both as a team, or they could opt to break up. Even if they're the champions. Even if they're the champions, it seems like because then they would have to drop the belt. But if you're the okay. team champions, why would you not go to the same place? Yeah. Unless that team actually wanted to break up. So but let me ask if you this: team champs. I don't think you're gonna want to break up. How does this right? How does this affect uh, draft considerations? Because if I'm Robert Meyer Burnett, I have two first rounders, but now yeah. a lot of the first round caliber talent might already be signed to teams. So how does that affect the draft itself? Well, I think it'll help them actually sign more uh, high quality players because you can go look. I got two picks in the first round. After that, you you know what's what's the field gonna what's the pool gonna look like after that after the second mm, round, mm, right? Yeah, I got two first rounders. So if you only sign three players, let's say he retains Ethan Irwin, Andrew Guy, okay, or I'm sorry, he, he or Robert Mark Burnett. Let's say he retains, um, well, let's just say he 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 signs for hypothetical purposes. He signs Ben Bateman and Mark Riley, okay. Yeah. Hypothetical, right? So, and then Super. he signs a third guy in Barbarian. Okay? But he can go to Barbarian and say, come here. I have two first-round picks. I can go and get the best available player in the first round. I have two Twice. picks. I can, I can, right. Yeah. I can pair you up with somebody really good. So that, I think that's a bargaining chip that he actually has in his back pocket now in terms of going after free agents, especially if you can only lock in three and not four. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I I thought about, okay, maybe, because what I love about basketball is not only the trades, but I love trying to fit it in within the salary cap. So I, right. I had discussed even allotting a player, assigning certain players a, a numerical value, and you can only have yeah. X amount, right? But it, that gets a little difficult. It's tough. It's based, though, upon the sl- supply and demand, like any contract would be or any value to a player. Also, could you imagine... I don't care what rating this guy ended up with. Roka would not be satisfied. He he's below a gasket. Yeah, you're yeah. below a gasket. No matter what value you gave him. <laughs> right, so. but you know you'd have to construct your team around that. So I mean, th- th- there are ways to do it, but I think that it's smart that this is getting uh, figured out prior to the uh, trade deadline because you kind of have to start yeah. thinking in the future, which is in August. Yeah, trade deadline is in August. Is in August. But so. I guess does it does it does it make trades? Now, almost somewhat, I don't know. I mean, I guess you'd be playing for the season, but you wouldn't be playing yeah. for the future so much because yeah, there's no guarantee true. that you'd retain this player. Yeah, there's no guarantee that, that Dan Merrill and John Roca are going to stay with Dagnino. If you listen to Roca's comments earlier in the season, he's like, I don't envision myself playing with Dagnino next year. Roca would makes really that, benefit This with, makes that 100% possible. Roca would really benefit with a different manager. Do you know that? Like, I love him with the Fence Exchange, yeah. but like, if he had somebody like a Shannon or Roxy or yeah. um, somebody or Winston, anybody who really, I mean, anybody Kaiser, really to tell you the truth. Yeah, yeah, that that's interesting. So I mean, I, I liked it. I like this is being figured out, and I would like to maybe even have Christian on as we get plo- closer yeah. to this. I guess it's pre agency, really. Period. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, pre agency is what? What can we call it? Pre agency? Because I kind of like or how that sounds. Pre agency? You want to call it pre agency? Why would I do that? Pre agency. I like it. 
pre agency. Okay. Sure. Right. Because it's, like free, it's like free yeah. agency, but it's pre agency. Oh, oh. I'm glad I'm glad you broke it down for me like that. I wouldn't be able to figure it out. Oh yeah. Well, you know, yeah. Well, you know, you did say that Brandon Anna has a good shot against Mike Kalinowski, so hey. I just had to make sure, you know, you're on the you're on the right level here. What? Mark down this timestamp. Mark down this timestamp what you just said and we're going to see 1 hour 13 minutes and 47 yeah. seconds. Okay. Yeah. Mark it down, baby. Watch. We're going to come back to this and see who's <laughs> right and see who's wrong. That's right. Hey, by the way, shout out to Schmodown <laughs> alum Becky G who's on my shirt. Just had to shout Look her out. Real quick. She's it's what a great shirt. Oh, by the way, also I want to I want to say, next year I have an idea for how to how to structure the factions. Do this whole draft thing and all that. That's great. I like it. But what I think should happen is you eliminate one faction, so we only have eight eight, eight factions, and then you split it down the middle, four and four, and you have divisions. Mm. And then you have warring divisions. Not only would you have like interdivision rivalries brewing, but then you'd have interdivision. Is that the right word? Interdivision, intradivision. You have cross division rivalries. You could build that. And you know you what see, it could the- be? So the top team from each of them, right? Top faction from each conference at the spectacular. They faction meet wars. in the they meet in the faction wars. Exactly. They meet in the Survivor Series style matchup. You select four of the of the of your roster. To go at there you it. Go. Oh God! There you can go. we make this happen? Can we? West Coast Friday. Oh my goodness! What a beautiful. Just one more time. Just, I mean, what a great idea. There you go. Great idea. And it'd be crazy. It'd be crazy. I would. Oh, it'd be so good if, if that could happen. I don't know if it will. I don't know if it won't. But I mean, could you imagine if, if scheduling permitting, like you would only try and schedule like division A matches with division A people, right? And right. then and then if you got to like a normal contenders match or a title match, that's when you would see division A versus division B go head to head in like a title match. Oh, yes. I think, you know, that would be really really cool. But even but even if it's, you know, the teams with the two best records or two best, you know, point totals right. in their respective conference meet for the Super Bowl essentially in the spectacular. Ooh. Come man. That's, you could it, use that match to like kick off spectacular, like yeah. the faction war match to kick off who you know is the ultimate um, faction. You know, I don't know. I think it's that's the Super the main, Bowl. I think that's the main event. I think that main event's over the title. Really, over the singles yeah. title, the first year for yeah. it? Yeah, mm-hmm. because Maybe. it's a, it's got a year buildup. I mean, a whole true year buildup. It should close true. out. And look at and this way, it, it kind of makes you would have. Not just one race to the top, like we had with like Finsuck Exchange, the Den and Swag, who's going to get to the top. Now you have two races to the top. Yeah. And so if like maybe one's like if Finsuck Exchange like this year kind of like runs away with it and it's kind of like, well, all right. In this scenario, you would still then have another division to look at. Maybe there's a closer race there. So at least you're kind of preserving some of the action there in terms of who's going to win at least in one division. Yeah, you know, That's in a really case good one, idea. in case one, in case one team in the other division just runs away with it, you have this other division where you're like, "Oh, I'm gonna concentrate on here because that's a tight race." That's so, a really good it, idea. I like it a lot. I maybe it too. happens. Maybe it happens. Maybe it doesn't. Or maybe you know, maybe you don't drop another faction. Maybe you create another faction so it's five and five. But that kind of delete dilutes the the faction. I think roster. You probably have to shrink the roster space if you went to ten factions. I mean, we're we were gonna have ten. Yeah. But, um, you know, maybe shrink the roster to eight, you know, Seven. so you sign three pre-draft, eight, pre-draft or I'm sorry, pre-agency. And then and then you draft, you know, 
So I don't know. There's there's some cool stuff that could be happening uh, with all of that. I like all the ideas, Frank Janish. Of course, you're full of great ones. Of course, I am as well. Let's see if any of them get implemented. Um, why don't you let the people know where they can find you and follow you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at FrankieJ29. You can find That's me it. on all social media at Brad Gilmore. Get my book back from the future celebration of Crazy Time Travel Story I Ever Told. It's available now. Uh, this is the third and a half rundown this week. And we're out. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com.